Hey everyone, welcome to the Pain-Free Golf Performance Podcast, a podcast dedicated towards helping you stay healthy so you can stay on the golf course and not in the clubhouse. We will be covering all things golf, from fitness, performance, injury recovery, instruction, and everything else in between. I am your host, Dr. Russ Manalastis. I am a board-certified sports physical therapist and strength coach based out of Rochester, New York. Our goal with this podcast is to help you play your best golf yet while doing so without limitations. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Pain-Free Golf Performance Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Russ. Today, we are joined by Dr. Harry Sessi. Harry is a sports chiropractor. He's a Titleist Performance Institute certified coach and instructor. He is the owner of Golfletica, which is located in Bellevue, Washington, and is currently working on the PGA Tour, keeping golfers healthy. Harry, welcome to the show, man. Thanks so much for spending some time with us. Hi, buddy. How are you? Hello, everybody. We're good. We're good. You know, and I think, um, you know, we're really we're going to enjoy this conversation because I think you've got a lot of insight to provide to whether you're a recreational golfer, a high school athlete, collegiate golfer, or even working someone, you know, professionally, I think you can offer a lot with regards to some of your, your background, but also to maybe some of the knowledge and insight that you can provide for, provide for us. So, you know, Harry, what I'd like to do is maybe kind of just, you know, um, maybe have you tell us a little bit about your background in terms of your education, you know, your journey into the sports medicine realm and what led you down the path that you're currently on working with, golf athletes such as Graham McDowell, John Ram um, on the tour, and then opening, obviously, your own facility, Golfletica. Yeah, definitely. It's uh, Every time I think about it, it's almost tiring because I'm, what, 43 years old, and I've been in clinical practice for about 21, 22 years now. Sure. The math doesn't really add up correctly, but <laughs> if you do it, it does. Yeah, my journey's been a little bit different in that I've kind of spanned across a lot of different rehab program. So my initial training after high school, I went to college and I uh, did the massage therapy program. Now, I'm originally from Nanaimo, which is in British Columbia in Canada. Sure. And the massage therapy program there, it's not like you go to school for six months, practice this, and then you're good to go. Uh, It actually, we had to go to school for a year and do prerequisites. And then you do three years on top of that. Oh, wow. So takes four years really to get your massage therapy and uh, you know back in BC it was either you become a massage therapist or a physio or physical therapist and it was the same prerequisites you're going through the same program it's the same pay grade everything sure and you saw the same patients at the end we actually had the same college it was the college of physiotherapists and massage therapists wow that's an interesting setup yeah so you know, I was doing everything from ultrasound to laser to, you know, rehab exercises with bands and tubing and the massage part, which most people would think of as kind of like the, the spa fluffy stuff. I actually never really did any of that. You know, it was all very specific work. So after about six, seven years, I'm like, you know what, I want to be able to do a little bit more. And the top of the food chain for rehab in British Columbia was the chiropractor. You know, he was able to do x-rays if needed, yeah. uh, refer out, diagnose. Really, diagnose was kind of the main thing. Yeah. So I asked my patients who were seeing both, a uh, chiropractor and myself, I'm saying, hey, would you, would you, what would you think if you saw me and I was able to do both of this stuff? And they're like, that'd be awesome. <laughs> so I kind of looked into uh, post-grad work in colleges and uh, I decided to go back to school, become a chiropractor, and every time I go home to visit, I'll run into a patient occasionally, and they're going to ask, oh, are you back? Are you opening back up? 
sorry, no, I'm uh, still in the States working. (laughs) So from there, I was able to combine the massage therapy and the chiropractic. And depending where you go to school for a chiropractic college, some are very diverse in what they teach you. So we have a component where you can do physiotherapy modalities and learn that depending on what state you practice. Sure. And uh, that was basically a refresher from what I learned back at massage therapy. And then post-grad, I specialized in uh, sports medicine. So nice. I was able to kind of tie in a little, every, little bit of everything. And I kind of became this hybrid performance therapist. You know, the Thanks. titles, massage, chiro, it doesn't really matter at this point because I don't even know what to call myself. It's a <laughs> bag of everything. Right. <laughs> yeah. So from there, you know, I kind of focused with athletes back in the past. And once I started working here in uh, Bellevue, Washington, I said, hey, why not? Let's just go back to what I was doing before. I just have more tools in the bag. And yeah. I was just seeing different athletes and decided, hey, maybe I can focus a little bit more on golfers because it's something that I've always been interested in. My yeah. dad, my uncles, they play golf. I play golf here and there. So let's kind of roll the dice and not be the typical rack and crack Cairo. Yeah. yeah. That's great. And I think too, like, it's funny when, when you talk about you know, asking your clients or asking your patients, hey, what would, what would you think about this if we did this? And I think getting their feedback is important for understanding what they're really looking for, right? And um, ultimately, it allowed you to kind of say, hey, listen, I'm going to take the plunge, go back to school. And, you know, again, going back to school and, and investing more time and, and effort into getting more education can be challenging when, let's say, you already have gone through a, a number of rigorous coursework. I think massage therapy and in Canada is much different than massage therapy here in the States, as you can see, yeah. right? So um, I think it's cool to be able to kind of see, hey, listen, you just ask what people are looking for, and then you try and develop it based on what you, what you feel is best needed at that point, which is cool. Yeah, and I think for practitioners who are listening, that's what you do, continuing education for, is yeah. to help kind of, you know, round out your knowledge base, put more tools in the toolbox, and really, if you're seeing a certain clientele and they may need this or that, well, you got to educate yourself more towards that. Some of it's yeah. really not for you. It's, it's actually for them. Yeah. Want to be able to help people. No question. And I think that's, a, that's an important key is that as much as you are obviously trying to, you know, maybe develop a niche or maybe look at absorbing more information, how then you apply that to your clientele is even more important so that they understand, like, listen, when I have a golf related issue, I can see, uh, I can see Dr. Harry, or I can see someone like you who understands the movements and the demands of the sport as opposed to just seeing a generalist who might have a little bit of an idea, but maybe not fully invested in that. Definitely. Yeah. So tell me, you know, you know, with, with you maybe kind of wanting to look into golf a little bit more, when did you start to kind of see the transition where more golfers were kind of seeking you out or, you know, how did you go about making yourself, you know, that subject matter expert in the area when you kind of obviously set up shop in Bellevue there? I think the biggest thing was, and like many chiropractors, when they first start out, they're trying to figure out, well, there's a chiropractor every block. Right. Right. So really what makes me different uh, from everybody else. And no offense to chiropractors, but, you know, when I started, I wanted to, I wanted, I didn't really want to be known as a chiropractor. That was kind of the last thing I want people to think about. Interesting. I just want them to kind of say, hey, I need to see this guy, whatever he is. I'm not sure what he is, but he's going to try and help me whatever, whatever my issues are. So that's kind of where I said, well, I'm not really focusing on pain. 
you know, anybody can work with pain and say, Hey, do this. It'll make you feel better. Right. For me, if the, the patient is really the one who knows how to handle the pain the best, yeah. Right. I mean, you, you do what makes you feel better. Right. I'm only going to kind of give you a suggestion. Right. But when it comes to movement and helping you move better or properly, you do need a, an extra eye to look at that. And that's kind of where I thought I can fit in. That's and, cool. you know, I know everyone gets arthritis. Everyone's going to get the good old stenosis, disc bulges, et cetera. Yeah. Well, I don't want to give me, give me something that's actually going to be more challenging. So give me someone who has that, but really the main issue is they can't really rotate or move or, or bend, touch their toes. And let's yeah. go from there. Right. So that's kind of how I marketed it and focused it. And uh, just talking to local golfers. And I did do a, a golf certification uh, well before TPI. It was kind of the only one that was out there before okay. TPI came around. So it was a chiropractor who actually played on the senior tour Oh, nice. And he just put together a certification program and there was only a few of us and yeah. I don't think many people did it in the long run, but there was a few of us who did it. We'd even play golf and uh, just talk about the body and kind of relate it more in golf terms. Sure. And I was able to kind of just use a little bit of that and start to modify it and build it into my own. Nice. And doing stuff with TPI, it was still very young at that time you know, taking some of their information and kind of going through the same thing, weeding through what's actually useful for me and kind of what's protocol, but what's actually happening in reality in clinic and practice with your average golfer. Yeah. And, you know, again, we, we had Lance uh, Gill on the show not too long ago and, you know, we, he always kind of speaks about the assessment portion of it, right? Like I think TPI does a really good job of, of providing a framework, right? And, and giving you something to kind of work within. And then obviously you use your own background and your own experience to kind of make it your own. Um, however you see Absolutely. the offer, you know? And I think that's, that's something that I think a lot of clinicians, um, when they look at you know, structure, it sometimes it's too rigid, right? And it is, yeah. Yeah. yeah and, and that's why, you know, the, uh, my colleague, Dr. Shane Lawler, who you have a podcast where that's why we, we go around and we have a thing called golf therapy seminars. Yeah. We work with other practitioners regardless of their background, but we work with other practitioners and how to take those things like TPI and FMS and SFMA and, and say, Hey, it, they're great. They're all very good. They all teach you how to screen or assess yeah. and find problems, but no one actually tells you how to fix those problems, right. <laughs> you know, yeah. and whatever you learn in school and in textbooks, that's great too. But when you can kind of hear it from people who've been doing it for a long time, and that's yeah. kind of what you specialize in yeah. and have worked with people from kids to the elite PGA tour level, it's kind of like, let's help save the trouble. And uh, let's just share with you what works and what doesn't and yeah. lead through all the, <laughs> right. all the trials and mistakes and yeah. everything you may have done incorrectly in the past. And let's well, just make it easier. And I think that whole streamlined process, right? I think clinicians and coaches, uh, they, they learn to appreciate that because it allows them to then better help their athletes or better help their clients, you know, and, and hopefully do it in, in, in an expedited manner. And I think that's an important part that us as, you know, clinicians who, who manage golf athletes, it doesn't have to be just golf. It can be any athlete or any person. You know, you want to try and expedite the, the likelihood of them, you know, getting back, back from an injury while obviously reducing the likelihood of that coming back. And, um, you know, even just to kind of talk about, you know, you're talking about pain too, you know, as much as we, a lot of clinicians, you know, they base everything off of pain, 
right? Hey, is your pain down? Is your pain down? That's great. But what are, what are we doing after that? Once your pain is down, we know that that tissue that was maybe a little more vulnerable or a little more sensitive, we know we need to build that back up at some point in time, right? And what are you doing at that point in time to kind of do that? And, you know, like you said, the person that is dealing with discomfort knows their body better than we do than anybody else does. So right. how they manage that is usually the way they're, they're going to gravitate towards that anyway. So I think that's a, that's that's a key right. component yeah. there too. Yeah, we have golfers who fly in and... Uh, so I'll say now we have 90% of the clientele we see are golfers and we do have the other 10% being from other sports or just activities, some professional, some not, but the bottom line is, you know, if you've had a chronic issue, I bet you're still doing what you want to do. You're still right. golfing. You're still playing football or ultimate or something like that. Right. But you need help. Yeah. Right? yeah. And our job and my job is really to kind of identify what is potentially the problem and then how can I make it so that between treatments from me and at our clinic, we work hand in hand, but my wife and the training and the rehab, how can we keep you doing what you love doing for as long as you can as safely as possible? Yep. And that's it. That's that's pretty much it. (laughs) When When you tell the golfer who's had back surgeries and they've had lumbar fusions and they're like, man, I can't golf again like you know what you can actually golf again and better (laughs) yeah 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 and i think too like you said putting that framework together for them is the key part there right and yeah you know i think like you had mentioned with your golf therapy seminars figuring out that gray area right what like like listen we we can provide the framework of the assessment but then what do we actually do from a treatment standpoint right and putting that together is a really really key piece that i think a lot of golfers miss right they they get maybe a couple of things that you know, there's maybe more generalized or quote unquote, you know, more kind of cookie cutter where it's, Hey, you know, I've got back pain, then you should do these things, right. Where it's not really really customized or individualized to what they're dealing with. And I think that can go a long way in helping them realize seeing someone who's specialized in the sport can go a long way in expediting that whole recovery process. Yeah, no. And that's what all practitioners should kind of just hope for is how can I help this person Absolutely. uh, continue to enjoy their activities of daily living really. Right. Right. Yeah. Cause you know, it might be, yes, I want to play golf, but also want to be able to bend down and tie my shoe. I also want to be able to, you know, get out of the car and not feel like my back is really, really stiff or tight. Right. These are all things that are maybe some underlying issues that ultimately play into it. Yes. I want to play golf as well. Right. That's right. So, you know, obviously with, with me listening to a lot of the podcasts that you've done in the past, I know you're pretty passionate about Taekwondo. Maybe tell us, you know, with your background in Taekwondo, maybe, Tell us how you maybe incorporate some of those principles into your approach when it kind of comes to managing the golf athlete. Yeah, Taekwondo is uh, a martial art I've been doing for a long time. So even doing that, I've, I've been doing that since I was about five years old sure. and uh, still practice now. So, nice. you know, it's kind of a, uh, it's a way of life. It's not really something that I think about if you sure. tell me to go over there, jump up, go kick this or go spin and kick that thing. I'll get up and I'll be like, okay, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's not like I have to think like a backswing. Okay. I got to stand like this, right. this club back, go at this plane. No, yeah. it's been ingrained so much into me that uh, physically it's kind of normal. Sure. And mentally it's also kind of been normal in that, how I approach patients, life, everything. It's just all blended in there. Yeah. Uh, growing up with martial arts, they, they kind of instill certain what they call tenets into, into you. So things like uh, modesty and integrity and perseverance, 
a few others like that. And when it comes to working with golfers, you definitely need that. Yeah. Uh, number one, being a golfer, you definitely need that. Yes. You, know, you definitely need to learn some self-control when things are getting a little hot on the course, a little perseverance when things aren't going so well, and even a little bit of modesty when, you know, hey, just because you're good today doesn't mean you're good tomorrow. Absolutely. So I actually use martial arts to train a lot of my uh, professional golfers, you know, and yeah. some of it is just for the mental side of things, help them with a little bit of focus and concentration, uh, maybe a little bit of the meditative side, but also on the biomechanic side of things. Uh, it's okay. very important when it comes to, you know, if, if I tell you to kick a ball or to punch something, you don't really think about how to do right. it. You're going to do it. But if I tell you to hit this golf ball with a golf club, you're going to stop, pause, hesitate, and now think about all the 50 moves that you have to do right. Right. at the same time. Yeah. But if you look at it, if I were to hit something with my fist, you know, everything I have to do, I have to weight transfer, I have to load, I have to follow through at impact. It's the same thing you're doing with a golf club, except the club is just an extension of your arm. Right. So from the mentality side of things, you know, it's like, why, why are you making it so difficult? <laughs> sure, sure. Think about hitting this ball like you would hitting a target or something with your hand or your foot. Yeah. And that's why I do teach them how to kick and how to punch. And, and they don't realize what they're actually doing, but I am reinforcing all the movements they do in their golf swing. Yeah, it's actually been really good with our junior golfers. My wife will have a specific class called Ninja Golf. Oh, nice! And they don't know what they're doing. They just think they're punching and kicking and all that <laughs> stuff. But they are working on their footwork, their weight transition, their yeah. loading, uh, their impact, everything. That's great. So to tie, to tie that back to to golf is really really cool. And I think, like you had mentioned, some of those principles. You know, the mindfulness aspects of things and having the, the awareness and like you talked about, the, the self-preservation uh, of dealing with, you know, adversity or whatever it may be, that can go a long way in helping them understand how best to kind of be a little bit more centered when it comes to dealing with situations like that. Definitely, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, even on the treatment side of things, you know, the body's always changing and you got to be able to adapt to it. Yeah. Absolutely. Regardless of what your treatment plan is, you have to be able to be flexible. And uh, just like if you were in a UFC fight, you don't know what's coming at you. Right. Whether someone's standing or on the ground, you have to adapt. And, yeah. you know, those tissues and joints, they'll do the same thing at you. Yeah. And again, I think that's the, the important part, too, I think, is once, let's say, an injury occurs and we're trying to get a person back to, let's say, the, the prior level of function prior to the injury, Mm -hmm. What are you doing to make those tissues more adaptable to stress? You know, whether that's, that's right. you know, strength training, whether that's, you know, progressive loading or whatever, whatever the modality is, I think the important part to understand is there needs to be a stress to the body in order for the body to handle it. And if you're not, right. if you're not doing or applying enough stress so that body, the body can adapt to it, that's when you start to see some of these recurrent issues. I think I'm hopefully, you know, that you probably can, we'll talk about shortly though, but now, those are all things that we see a lot too in the office is that golf is a repetitive stress sport, right? And I think if, yeah. if we're not allowing the body to be able to handle those stresses um, efficiently or doing so with, you know, the, the right amount of capacity, then I think that's when you start to see some of these nagging things start to creep up. Right. Yeah. And I'm, you know, everyone practices their swing over and over again. You know, they're trying to 
work the swing, they're going to work this, whether you want to call it a motor pattern or, yeah. or what have you, or the biomechanics, because everyone else talks about it that way. Right. I'll tell you what, if you swing the club thousands and thousands of times, you've pretty much figured out how to swing it. Right. But the one thing you don't train and practice for, or most people forget about, is really just the environment around them. Sure. Because your ball can be in the rough. You've been practicing 10,000 times on a mat, right? Or now you're on an uphill or downhill lie. Yeah. And the thing is, your swing, you still know how to swing. <laughs> right. Only problem is you don't know how to adapt to that change. Sure. And that's what's going to get you. Yeah. So it's really, if you have to be able to prepare the body physically for that adaptation or be able to, you know, adapt to it right. or also be able to handle the, uh, just the physical stress of what that change might cause. Sure. No question. So let's do this. So we obviously, you know, we, we know that you, you do a lot of work. You've been on the PGA tour now for 10 years now, right doc? Yeah, approximately. Yeah. So, you know, maybe kind of give us a glimpse and breakdown of maybe what a normal day. And again, I, I, I put normal in quotations and I'm sure not any day is normal there, but uh, maybe kind of just give us a, a, you know, what a day looks like for you when, when you're traveling on the tour with the players that you're seeing with. Yeah, actually, I'll give you the full week breakdown. I mean, nice. it just depends, yeah. uh, you know, it depends how many guys are playing that week as far as who I work with or yeah. who work with me. But typically, if it's a regular event, I would normally arrive Monday, kind of fly in. Based where I'm at here in Washington, you got to fly out of SeaTac, and it takes pretty much a day to get anywhere, except sure. California. So... Monday's travel day and uh, Tuesday I'll go to the course and normally myself and the other trainers were set up in the locker room or there's going to be some designated area like the uh, they'll shut down the ladies locker room for us to use or have a separate room if we're lucky and usually the routine is the guys will come in on the Tuesday morning and they'll basically come over for a checkup we'll kind of see where they're at Hey, how you looking this week? Especially if I haven't seen them for a week or two. Sure. And maybe it's everyone's first week back. But let's see how everyone's doing. And that might only take about 20, 30 minutes. Uh, you know, run through some screens or assessments, kind of get my hands on their on their body there and see what, you know, the joints and tissue feel like. And then usually we'll go through a warm-up. We'll kind of do a modified warm-up just to, again, so I can see how they're moving. And then from there, they'll go do a practice round or they'll practice on the range. And that's usually going to be a combination of uh, about four hours of work for them out there. If I have time, I'll actually be out there with them on the range and just kind of watch again, see how they're moving. Or I'll walk a practice round with them. And if there's any issues, for sure, I'll be out there walking with them to see what's going on. Because then I can actually see it in action. If you tell me your elbow hurts, well, big deal, your elbow hurts. But... If you tell me your elbow hurts when I do this in my swing, I need to see that in action and yeah. I need to kind of be able to work on it right there. Okay, go swing again. Any change? All right, let's do this. Keep going. Right. Because really, if that's Tuesday, I only have Tuesday and Wednesday to fix it by Thursday. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> uh, post round, if I, yeah, post round, we'll usually do some work again. This time will be uh, a little more soft tissue work, depending on what I had found earlier in the morning. Yep. Regardless of how the practice went, I'm going to start to kind of clean up uh, certain things. And, you know, that will take a little bit of time depending on what the issues are. But most of the time, it's very minor stuff. 
Like, hey, I flew all the way across from New York to the West Coast and my hip flexors are a little tight. You know, I can't get them to let go. We'll try some stretches. If they can't let go, let's do some soft tissue work and do that. And since it's early in the week, Tuesday or Wednesday, we actually might do a workout. Okay. So these guys don't just do, oh, we're going to do little mini band workouts and, and do that. Yeah. Some of my guys, we're, we're going to lift. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're going to load these uh, barbells up and we're going to yeah. put some weight on there and we're going to push it pretty good. Yeah. Now, you kind of have to factor in what week it is as far as, you know, how many tournaments have you done in a row. Also, yeah. what time of the season it is as well. But if I have screened them sufficiently and kind of look them over, I'll know whether they can be pushed or not, yeah. especially with their energy levels. Right. So Wednesday will be very similar, but now most of them will have a pro-am to do as well. So they will be out there for about five hours on average. And then you also have to look at what time your tea time is on Tuesday or on Thursday, because you could have a late pro-am on Wednesday, and then you could have a super early tea time on Thursday. Right. But what I do on Wednesday is going to be very similar to the Tuesday to just try and, you know, get that car all tuned up for Thursday. Sure. Now come tournament day, what's typically going to happen is if you have a tea time at 7 a.m., we know automatically to meet about probably about 5.15 in the morning. And from there, you know, bring a change of clothes. You're going to start warming up, whether we can do it in the locker room or we're going into the, the tour fitness trailer where they have a bunch of equipment. And you're going to start sweating. You're going to warm up. You're going to start sweating for about... 15, 20 minutes, I'll take you through some cardio, some maybe movement patterns, even some light lifting just to activate certain muscles. And uh, if anything, maybe some soft tissue work if something needs to be addressed. The goal really is once they've warmed up, they've got a good sweat going, that if they ran out of time and could not hit any balls, they can go from me to the first tee. So I have to make sure everything's good, firing, ready to go. We normally schedule correctly so that they have about an hour, usually about an hour that they can go to the range, hit some balls, hit some chips, hit some putts, and then go to the tee. So they don't really hit too many balls if you warm them up correctly. Right. Post round will depend on the player. Uh, Sometimes it's just a check-in saying, you know, let's just chit-chat and talk. How'd it go? So we'll go through the round shot by shot. Uh, some guys will need a little bit of a stretch after, and some guys will need more of a some soft tissue work to kind of flush out the tissues and get them ready for the next day. Yeah. But then again, you also have to look at what's the tea time the next day. Right, right. So the best thing I can do is encourage them to eat, rest, and sleep. So I'd rather they do that and get a sufficient amount of that versus, hey, get on the table and let me work on you for an hour. No, it's not going to do you any good. Right, right. It might feel good, but no. Yeah. It's actually going to be <laughs> better if you just go back to the hotel, rest up. Yeah. And, uh, and do that. Great. So how many? So you kind of do that till uh, the end of the tournament. I usually, I typically won't stay until Sunday just because once they've made the cut and everything looks good, I feel like I can go. They're healthy. They're fine. Sure. Can't really, I'm not really going to hold their hand yeah. to the finish, but yeah. uh for majors, then I'm usually there Sunday to Sunday. And usually for them, Sunday's travel day. And if I'm going to another event, I'm usually running back home, work a day, 
and then run back out. <laughs> <laughs> and how many, uh, how many weeks are you on tour with the guys, Doc? With the PJ Tour, between Champions Tour and PJ Tour, I'm going to have to say at least 20 nowadays. And that doesn't include any home home trips that I'll do for them and then also um, uh, any other athlete I work with for other sports. Right. right. Yeah. yeah. A lot so, of, a lot of, a lot I think of it's more than airplane. 20. <laughs> yeah, a airplane flying there, it sounds like. Yeah, definitely. I get my miles in. <laughs> so, you know, maybe this, maybe this is a good uh, segue there. And when we talk about, you know, soft tissue work and nagging injuries, you know, maybe you kind of tell us how your approach when, let's say, a golfer is maybe kind of prepping for uh, a tournament or prepping for a major and has got some soft tissue stuff or some nagging things going on. You know, how, how best are you going to go about approaching that to make sure that, one, you can address what's going on, but also, to still look at the long game and make sure that this doesn't continue to be a persistent issue. Yeah, I'd say knock on wood first that my guys are healthy, you know, right. very healthy, and that uh, they're good at taking care of themselves, even right. if I'm not there. You know, I like to think of it as, hey, I will be responsible for half of it, but you have to be responsible for the other half. Yeah. Uh, don't expect me to do everything to take care of you. Right. You know, you've got to be proactive. And that's where I think it starts all as an amateur golfer is being proactive. Right. You know, I tell everyone here, if you're coming in to see me when something is acute and fired up, you're already coming in and it's a little too late for me to do anything. All I can do is help you manage it a little bit better sure. and maybe identify what's wrong and like, oh, yeah, here's the problem. I put a label on it, but the problem's still there. Right. So, you know, whether it's a pro or am, I want to see you when you're actually feeling good and feeling better. Sure. Because we know where you're at right now and we know what we might need to bring your body to or how we need to build it. And then it's a process from there. Yeah. Right. So with the guys on tour during a tournament week, you're really just kind of looking for anything acute that you can try and settle down. Yeah. But I would say the best work that's done is usually during an off week uh, because you can then address bigger issues yeah. and you know, maybe they're going to get sore from the work you're going to do. Maybe it's going to throw off their mechanics a little bit and they need to readjust. You can't really do that during the tournament. Week. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's where, you know, all practitioners out there, it's like, there's really no timeline when it comes to working with a golfer. Yeah. The golfer is really going to play golf as long as they can play golf. And for most, that's your amateur average golfer who's going to basically play their entire lifetime. Yeah. You know? And as they get older, they're going to get a little stiffer and perhaps lose a few things like club head speed and distance. But if you work correctly and you work hard enough from both ends of this, where the therapist and the golfer is working hard at it, it doesn't have to go that way it doesn't have to decrease it doesn't have to you know you don't have to lose range of motion if anything you should be able to get better right you know yeah and uh that's where yeah it just takes time though and i think the the time investment i think it's i think what you're saying is the investment in taking care of your body and understanding that that's the most important piece to be able to perform at the highest level like you have to do that you have to put in the work and understand that some of these soft tissue injuries or soft tissue things that people golf athletes are dealing with it's not going to it's not going to go away overnight right you need to figure out what can you do to address that in the in the short term 
And then, yeah. like you said, if you have a, a week off or whatever it may be, that's when you start to kind of really dig in there and figure out what can we do to address this now so that as you continue to play more tournaments, this doesn't continue to kind of creep up. Right. Like with my amateur golfers here, my everyday golfers, they'll have back pain or neck pain that, that happens from time to time. But you also have to backtrack and look, are they actually doing anything proactive to make sure right. that doesn't happen? Right. Versus the the pro who have who wakes up and their neck is kinked or something like that, yeah. and they've got pain. Well, because number one, you work with them so frequently, then you can settle that down very fast. Right. You know what the problem is? It's like, hey, stop doing that. Plus, you're going to do this in order to prevent it again. Right. Now, they have an investment in their body, so they will follow and uh, listen. Or right. Else it happen again. And for them, if they can't work, they can't make money. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. And I think, too, like having that ingrained early on, like you said, even at the amateur level, where they understand that they need to be an active participant in their recovery process. Yeah. Um, instead of listening, hey, listen, I need you to, quote, unquote, fix me, or I need you to do all the work, and so I feel better. Like, that's, it's not a, that's not the great, greatest way to go about looking for longevity in terms of recovery and in terms of allowing the body to feel like it's performing at a high level. That's right. Yeah. And you have to look at it as, well, if I'm 40 years old right now, do I still want to play golf at 65 when I retire? Right. Right. If you do, you got to look at what do you need to do now to make those changes right. to be able to maintain that activity level. Right. You know? And that includes, you know, working on yourself and getting work done to you. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us uh, a little bit about Golfletica, right? I'm always kind of interested to kind of hear some of the, the ideas and the models that are out there with regards to maybe having things being a little more all-encompassing. So maybe kind of tell us about your business out in Bellevue and kind of how it's set up. Yeah, basically it started myself and my wife. Uh, my, I'll handle all the treatment side of things. And then the other half of it is my wife doing all the, uh, active rehab well look at her side we'll do active rehab together and then from there i'll kind of pass them off to her well she'll she'll start to do more of the um, strength and conditioning and then also the performance conditioning so we work hand in hand in that everyone who sees her even if they're they're a golfer who says oh, i've got nothing wrong with me i feel pretty good everyone's gonna have something going on right so she actually won't work with you unless you see me first for me to kind of do an evaluation nice. because then I can help guide or recommend, Hey, I need you to focus on the hips first. Don't worry about the shoulder or I need you to work on some mobility first. Let's get some sufficient range and then let's work on strengthening around that. Nice. And when we've been working together like this, we found that people progress faster and they also create positive changes that are lasting longer and longer. So Absolutely. I like to say we kind of have a front door where people come in and they don't really leave because they come in and they just continue to stay and it just snowballs and builds and builds and builds. That's great. And we have more and more people coming in. And it's great just because it's almost like one big family show here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, you don't come in thinking of, hey, I need to uh, – I need to get my back adjusted because it feels like it went out. You know, if anything, I say, Hey, we need to go look for your back. Cause I don't know where it went. <laughs> if you said, it went out, where did it go? Right? <laughs> yeah. They'll laugh. And then we re-educate them and kind of say, Hey, here's how it actually works. 
<laughs> yeah. That's well said. They, they look at me and give me a strange look at first because I'm messing with them, but I'm like, no, seriously. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> right. <laughs> but no, that's what we do. And then because we've been focusing in golf, you know, we've made good relationships with a lot of the golf instructors around here, uh, even including like the chapter of the PGA uh, instructors here. We'll go out and give seminars and talks. That's great. But because of that, we've, we've developed a pretty good junior program. And that's kind of been our focus over the last few years is let's get them in nice and young so we can kind of educate them and their parents right from right. there. Right. Because we saw so many in the past that they're 12 years old and they can't hit a ball anymore because their back is just yeah. lit up so bad. Right. Now they're understanding it. And uh, it does make me feel old, but we do have ones who came in as, you know, juniors and they went off to college and now they've turned professional. Crazy. Like, holy crap. Beating <laughs> <laughs> you there a little bit. Yeah. So our clinic is fun. It's interactive. And for the clients who come in, they have fun because they'll see a tour player roll in and out. And they'll be like, was that so-and-so? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah. That's great. And I think that sense of community is really important, especially golfers. They, they, they enjoy the social aspects of the game, but also to be able to maybe improve and get better at the game with other people. I think that's a huge concept that I think has a tendency to fall by the wayside for most. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, what we do is a specialty. I'd say, you know, my personality and my wife Sean's personality is there in that we don't advertise. We just kind of quietly do what we do. Yeah. <laughs> and people find us. That's great. So. It's humbling when they come from from Canada or from other states. They fly in for a day or two, and it's like, okay, let me uh, let me see if I can figure this one out. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> That's really cool. And I think the the collaborative model, like you said, with you and your wife, you know, you know, tag teaming, you know, clients, and understanding the the assessment and the evaluation piece is such a crucial piece, so that you can guide training or you can guide rehab, however you see fit. I think that's an important part that you know golfers they want x exercise or they want this or they want that but they don't understand maybe the why they're dealing with whatever they're dealing with so i think the assessment and the evaluation can go a long way in identifying the source of what's going on working on that like you said and then obviously trying to build up strength or build up mobility where it's needed to make them more of a better golfer yeah no it's been fun i know for years ago i did assist and traveled with tpi and assist with their seminars and stuff. Yeah. And we used to talk about, you know, you got to build a team, your medical, your fitness, your yeah. instructor. And whether people did it or not, I don't know if they did, but right. we did. We actually yeah. did it, yeah. you know, myself and Sean and, and our local instructors. Yeah. We built That's that great. community and we, we followed through with the model. So for us, it worked out great. And we were able to use that as kind of a, a platform and build from there and then modify it to our own. But that's great. Been able to help a lot of people, unfortunately. Yeah, and that's what it's all. That's what it comes down to, right? As much as you know, there might be you know some some maybe kickback early on about hey, why, why do you want to do this? Ultimately, it's to help the golfers in the community yeah. and help them understand like there are there is a team here for you to help you with this whenever you need it. Yeah, and that's the big thing. It's a team effort. You know, yeah. just like a golfer needs a coach. Uh, maybe they need a swing coach and maybe they need a putting coach and a short game coach and a mental coach yeah. and a therapist and a nutritionist. Right. Right. And that doesn't mean you're a pro golfer. That could be your average. Right. Golfer. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> no question about it. Yeah. Let's do this. Let's transition to our, our what's in the bag segment. So we always like to kind of hear where our guests are on the show are swinging. So it sounds like you might not be able to play golf a ton because of all the travel you're doing, but maybe kind of tell the listeners what you, you got in your bag. I haven't. I haven't played in a while, especially here at this shutdown. But right. uh, what's in the bag? I have a set of F8 Cobras. Oh, nice. The Cobra irons. I got the black finish, so they look pretty, nice, yeah. look pretty good. Not too many scratches since I haven't hit them <laughs> too often, but I'm playing the, the same F8 Cobra driver as well. All right. And, uh, matching wedges. My putter is a one-wide Odyssey. Oh, nice. Uh, my swing is somewhere between kind of like the blade and the mallet, so sure. that one kind of works. Nice. We, don't right. hear, we don't hear too many Cobra, Cobra sets on the show here, so that's, that's, that's the No, you got to try them. They're pretty yeah. good. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. <laughs> All right, so let's do our shotgun round. So this is a, a round where we're just gonna we're gonna ask you, we're gonna fire off a bunch of questions, and you try to answer as best as you can. All right, let's see. Let's see All right, so get. this might be hard. What about favorite golfer for you? Favorite golfer, of course, I have to say my wife first. <laughs> there you go. That's that's a good husband right there. <laughs> favorite golfer, yes, including her. I'd say tour wise, no offense to my other guys, but uh, uh, John Rom is one of my favorites. He's young, he's hungry, and he's just exciting to watch. Every yeah, week. for sure. Yeah. I, I can definitely see why. How about our favorite golf brand for you? Favorite golf brand? I do like the Cobra. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there you go. That's nice. How about a uh, preferred drink or snack, either while you're playing or maybe while you're on tour with the guys? I'd probably say it's uh, almonds and wash it down with some liquid IV. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Nice. Okay, how about uh, par three or par five? Par three. I play those much better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When I get my strokes, I'm playing, I'm playing for usually a net, uh, <laughs> a net one. <laughs> how about uh, cart or walk for you? Uh, nowadays, I'd say cart. Yeah. 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 Save some time. I, I just find I play better. Legs are less tired. Sure. Yeah, especially when you've got all that travel that you're doing. Makes yeah. a lot of sense to go kart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, how about favorite movie for you? Caddyshack or Happy Gilmore? Caddyshack or Happy Gilmore? I'm going to have to go with uh, Happy Gilmore. <laughs> yeah. A lot of quotable things from that movie. There are. There are. I like the hockey stick putter. <laughs> That's right. That's right. They're gonna, maybe should come out with that on the market. <laughs> All right, I'm sure you've got a, a, a good amount of these. How about favorite golf memory for you? Favorite golf memory, I'd say personally would be would be my hole in one. Nice. Tell us about that. Yeah, it was a par three. It was raining like crazy. <laughs> a little downhill, but it was about 179 yards. Oh wow. And I was just I hadn't played very much yet, but I don't know. I hit this six iron, hit this ball, and then went straight and it landed just on the fringe and we just kind of watched it. I turned away because I'm like, yeah, it's short. And everyone was looking and saying, hey, look, look, it's rolling. And it just rolled straight like another 10 feet or so and went in. <laughs> we actually stopped a hole after that because it was raining so bad. <laughs> that's a good hole to end on then. Yeah. That's, that's, and it, that's so funny, right? When you kind of turn like, ah, it's short. And then that's that's the beauty of golf. You get, I think I still have the ball. It's probably like a Spalding or something with someone else's name on it. It's <laughs> <up> bushes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but listen, it's a hole in one. You can't take it away. It, from is. it did count though. All right. So, 
who is um, someone maybe you'd recommend we reach out to be guests on the show? Obviously, we had, uh, we had Dr. Shane Lawler come on not too long ago. Uh, and I know you know Dr. Kevin Deshaun as well. He's, he's been on the show as well. Who's someone that you maybe kind of recommend we reach out to? Someone to reach out to. You know what? If you actually want a good story, talk to my wife. She's yeah. played college golf. She's coached everything from, uh, you know, D3 to Division One. Great. And she still plays competitively. And she's got our junior program. And, and you know what? She actually travels with me on the road and helps me from time to time. So she will jump in the trailer, train the nice. guys. And yeah. if I happen to not be home, and the guys are actually on an off week, but I went out with some other players, uh, she'll train them here as well. Awesome. Yeah, so, that's, actually, that's actually something I was going to ask you when we came off the air. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there you go. This is a perfect transition. Yeah, no, so it's been good. And uh, no, she'd be interesting to talk to from her own, kind of her own struggles as far as, you know, anxiety in the mental game. And then as well as being coached and then coaching and then yeah. working now with the general public to the tour yeah. players. That's great. Yeah, I'm going to have to reach out to her when we, when we get off and see what we do to get her scheduled on. Yeah, that'll be cool. All right. So how about some words of wisdom for you, Doc? So, you know, for someone who's maybe kind of dealing with persistent low back issues or persistent shoulder issues or elbow issues, and, you know, they're not exactly sure what to do and they've been on YouTube scouring exercises and things to do. I mean, what would, what would, what would you recommend for them? Where should they start with regards to the whole recovery process for them? The biggest thing is, I mean, if they're near where you are, they got to see you. Yeah. The, the key is you got to get someone to put their hands on the actual problem. Right. Because you can follow all these tests and screens on YouTube or something like that. And, oh, okay, I've got a rotator tear. Yeah. You know, unless somebody actually sees it and feels it and moves it physically, yeah. uh, you just don't know. Right. You know, and you need, you need someone with a good diverse background to be able to tie it together right. as well. Yeah. Because the shoulder hurts, but the actual problem is the restriction in your hip. Right, right. So my advice to amateur golfers is, if you feel good, come in. That's a good time to come in. Yeah. If you, something already hurts, then hurry up and get in. Yeah. Because it's only going to get worse. Right. You know, unless you've had proper care, proper treatment, proper rehab, it's not going to necessarily go away by itself. Yeah. It'll go dormant for a while, and then it's most likely going to blow up. when yeah. You uh, don't want yeah. it. To. Right. So. And, and I think a lot of people, they'll say, hey, listen, I'm just going to rest until this kind of goes away. But as soon as they start swinging again, it kind of creeps back up, right? So if you're constantly right. dealing with that back and forth on and off and, you know, you're trying to gut through it and not really address it, then, you know, you're going you're gonna to continue to have that stuff kind of hang around. So like you said, you're making sure you get someone to kind of put their hands on it, identify what it is and find the source, because even though, let's say someone's got an elbow issue, it might not necessarily be the elbow. It could be coming from the neck. It could be coming from somewhere else. Um, and I think that that understanding of the sport of golf, but also maybe, you know, just the swing mechanics and the mechanics of, you know, just how things go, that can go a long way in identifying how best to manage it moving forward. Yeah. My advice to everyone at home is all the golfers. You won't, uh, you know, you'd be surprised at what actually doesn't have to hurt. <laughs> yeah. You, know, you don't need to wake up with pain or discomfort every day. Right. Yeah. There's a lot you can do for yourself and there's a lot that can be done for you to help get you out of that and right. actually feel good. Right. So it's okay to feel good. 
Yeah, right, right. And I think that's that's a big thing too, right? A lot of golfers, you know, when they're playing, when especially if they've got like a short season like it is up here in upstate New York, they just try and gut through it. Yeah. And, you know, there are plenty of people and resources to be able to feel good and, and enjoy the game that you you're want to play. Right. And for everyone up in your area there where the season is short, that doesn't mean there's an off season. Right. Right. As soon as it's done and you can't play outside anymore, that means yeah. your preseason has started to prep yep. you for the next season. Yep. And that's why you will continuously grow and get better. Yep. And it's the same idea here in Washington. It's perfect. So doc, I appreciate your time you know, for coming on the podcast. For those who want to learn more about what you're doing and maybe want to reach out, I mean, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, I'd say just go on to our website, golfletica.com. And you can find us as well on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook. Uh, my account or my handle is the golfing doc. If you ever look out there, but otherwise golfletica.com and uh, yeah, drop us a message. Awesome. So guys, what we'll do is we'll put uh, Doc's contact information in the show notes and then we'll go from there. If you want to reach out to him, he's a wealth of knowledge. Uh, he's been very gracious with his time, especially, you know, being on this podcast with us. So thanks so much for listening to the Pain-Free Golf Performance Podcast. We'll catch you on the next episode. Doc, thanks so much for your time again. Thank you. Have a good day. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much again for listening to this week's episode of the Pain-Free Golf Performance Podcast. If you enjoy the content of this show, we would love it if you would leave an iTunes review to help us grow and expand our ability to provide you with the golf information you are seeking. If you're listening to this show and are dealing with aches, pains, or issues from golf that haven't been resolved, or you're not exactly sure where to turn, then let us know how we can help. Whether you are local or not, you can work directly with us through our pain-free golf performance program, which is completely virtual and online. This program is customized to you and your goals of playing your best golf yet. We would assess how well you move to give us a baseline of what you can do. And then based on that assessment, come up with a training program best suited for you. We are offering a special podcast promotion, which gives you access to our program at a reduced rate. You can inquire by going to manaperformancetherapy.com forward slash pain-free golf. Again, mana is spelled M-A-N-A. So it's manaperformancetherapy.com forward slash pain-free golf and use the promo code podcast when inquiring so we can help you feel better and play better golf. Be sure to tune into next week's episode and we'll catch you then.